Welcome in everyone to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. On this edition, Blake and Taylor will discuss J.J. Watt signing with the Arizona Cardinals, our weekly Brooklyn Nets and Milwaukee Bucks talk, play general manager with the rosters of the Philadelphia Eagles and Minnesota Vikings before free agency, and a preview of UFC 259. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio, episode 137, begins right now. Yeah. Go, go, go. Case you didn't know, no, no. Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. Yeah, we on for show. With the host Black and Taylor. You already know they down for whatever. When it comes to sports, there ain't no jokes. Already know that they in too, so you better come in tune in. Cause you know what this about. Gonna make you scream and shout with all the nasty news. This the dynasty. Case you don't know the breaking rules. Telling you what it do's. Giving you the insight. And best believe they're doing it right. Dagging every night, only question is, yo, is you ready to take flight? Greetings, greetings, welcome in everybody to another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. You are listening to episode 137. How's it going, everybody? After our short one-week break, we are back in full force. The double team coming at you again. As always, your host, Blake Plonsky, hanging here with you. I hope your week is going well. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Taylor Johnson. How's it going, Taylor? I'm doing pretty good. Double team. We got we're like a tag team. Like that was kind of what I was going for. <laughs> kind of like like we can't be the four horsemen because there's only two of us. But we could be like the rap group tag team. Whoop, there it is. Or their new commercial scoop, there it is. Chocolata, 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 scoop, there. I'm clearly missing Nothing. something in translation. Wow, you, seen, you have not seen that commercial. You need to watch TV more. Uh, uh, no, actually, I need okay. to watch TV less. <laughs> streaming, uh, streaming has ruined TV for me in that. Even like three commercials in a break, and I can't stand it. Well, you're missing out. I'm just gonna nah, we all agree to disagree. All right, everybody, with our short hiatus over with, we are back from our one week break. I apologize, as there wasn't a ton going on last week, so I figured it was a good time to take the week off, both Taylor and I, to recharge our batteries. We are back once again, recording today on this Thursday, March 4th, 2021, the first week of March. Taylor, we're already in March, my man. Uh, you know what that means. Uh, I turned 31 in a week. Okay, you're old. Um, that's look, one. Who's ta- look who's talking. Two. My daughter has a birthday next week as well. Ah, nice. 
But three, and more importantly, I'm just kidding, not more importantly, but... I was going to say, your daughter having a birthday isn't the important part. We are one day closer to March Madness. Yes, yes. Selection Sunday is the day before my birthday, March 14th. Absolutely. Is it really? Oh. Yes, Selection Sunday. I, I looked it up because uh, I was curious as to what the TV schedule was, realizing that you know the teams haven't even been selected yet, so I'm jumping the gun. And, uh, and yes, yeah, Selection Sunday, March 14th. Hmm. I always love March Madness, and I watch way, way too much TV. More too than much. I do already. Same. Yeah, you watch a lot of TV. I don't know. I wouldn't say that. I, I have watched a lot in my, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, I've burned through probably more TV series than I have since the pandemic started. They're all trash. No, I wouldn't go that Not far. I watched, watched some good stuff. Uh, the T the TV show you on Netflix, uh, recommend pass. Just, just saying recommend. That's all I'm saying. All right, everybody, without further ado, let's jump right into it. Episode 137 is a go Taylor. First up in our news this week. J.J. Watt said, let me have some time to think about what team I want to go to because I spend an hour looking through DoorDash restaurants, apparently. J.J. Watt has found his home. J.J. Watt has signed a two-year, $31 million, $23 million guaranteed deal with the Arizona Cardinals, Taylor. What do you think Cardinals. about that? I, it, I was shocked. Very shocked, actually, if I'm going to be honest with you. You know, I was at first, and then I thought about it, and I wasn't. You know, you know, everybody thought Green Bay, home right. state Wisconsin, Steelers with his brother. But both both would take some wiggling room in the salary cap, which is a myth, everybody, by the way. Taylor that said is. it last week. We're going to keep that a running gag going on. Even if it, it's, it's true or not, we're going to call it a gag. No, it's very true. And I, if people want to ask me, I will give them many examples. Absolutely. Anyways. Ask us, everybody, and we'll oblige. But Taylor, J.J. Watt said that one of the reasons he signed with the Cardinals is – he called up Kyler Murray and said, I believe in you. Now, I'm not the biggest Kyler fan in the world, but I will say his trajectory is going up. You have Ken, you have Kenyon Drake in the backfield. You have uh, uh, um, Edwards. You have DeAndre Hopkins. You have Christian Kirk an up-and-coming defense, adding J.J. Watt next to Chandler Jones. I, I mean. There's weapons. Exactly. There's... So, I mean, is this a playoff team next year? I don't think J.J. Watt hurts that in any right. way. I don't think he hurts it either. I don't. Does he? Because what did they miss, miss the playoffs by this year? Like a game or two? If that. Maybe a game. I don't know. 
I think Kyler Murray struggled. He was inconsistent kind of down the stretch. There's some Correct. games where he didn't really look the same, but you know, I was looking at, and of course uh, me being stupid that I am deleted this tab, not deleted, but close out this tab without knowing, but I was looking at like Arizona's defense. It was, wasn't bad, but it wasn't good. It was kind of middle of the road on most um, major stats. So he's not going to hurt it. Is he going to improve it? Yes. Long as he stays healthy. Um, because that motor will never stop as long as he's healthy. Um, but he's got some players around him on defense too. So it's <sighs> playoff team. I'll say this, Blake playoff team. I think so. Yes. Just looking kind of at that division. Um, cause you don't know what the Niners are going to do. Russell Wilson might not be a Seahawk anymore. Um, and Matt Stafford with the Rams probably have to worry about them. Maybe I'm not sure, but. The division, if I may say, seems like it's in a transition period. Transition from Seattle being always on top or I, I just I, I just mean a transition in general, just with all of the maneuvering and things That's, of that yeah. nature. I think because Arizona used to be like, I don't want to say the laughing stock of that division, but always at the bottom now. Right the younger players that they got adding JJ Watt. That's why I say a playoff team. I'm not going to even venture to say Super Bowl contenders. I've seen some people have I'm not going to Right, I'm not yet. ready. I'm not ready to go there either. No. You know, it's, and it's JJ Watt early. like you said Taylor JJ Watt being hurt, being 31, he adds veteran experience. It just right. depends on coming in, you know, obviously the team has what they expect of him. What a team expects of you and what fans expect is a lot of the time different always. And it just depends on what you expect his output to be. Like take last year, for example, he was completely healthy, played 16 games on a bad Houston Texans team, Right, had five sacks and 17 QB hits. Now, in, in a 16-game season, five sacks, 17 QB hits, that was his lowest output in a 16-game season for him in his career. So minus injury-plagued seasons, playing five games here, eight games there, for a full 16-game slate, sacks and QB hits, that was his lowest output in, of, of his career. So he can't come in and be expected to do everything. And on that defensive front with the line, young linebackers that they have coming off the edge, Chandler Jones on one side, other interesting pieces on the defensive line, you just he has to be a complementary piece. I like the way you put that. That's, I mean, perfectly said. Um, he had no help in Houston. There were, it, nope. You could double-team J.J., triple-team him. Because you didn't have to worry about the other players on the line, anything like that. I mean, Jordan Hicks led the team in tackles, 118. Hassan Reddick, 12 and a half sacks. So there's, there are some hella good playmakers on that defense. So, okay, you want to double JJ, it's, or you double any of these other guys, and JJ Watt's going to get through. I, I just, 
Maybe it's a rejuvenation too for him. I don't know. Living in an Arizona, I can't imagine can be horrible. Um, but no, I like how he's going to be. He's not going to be the focal point of that defense, and he can't at this age. But like you said, I, I like the way you put that. Complimentary. I like that. Hassan Very Red- well put. Hassan Reddick, Taylor, as you mentioned, is a free agent this year. Ooh, you got to keep him. Hassan Reddick is an unrestricted free agent Mm. coming off of his rookie deal. So he's going to get paid number one and number two. Right. So let's check cap space here. The Cardinals have just over 11 million in cap space. And you have, let's see here, two, four, seven teams with over 30 million in cap space. So does Hassan Reddick stay on the team? Like you said, though, it's a myth. So no, I'm just, just saying for the people (laughs) out there that crunch the numbers and that take it as gospel, you know, that kind of deal. For those of you that crunch the numbers and you don't work for like ESPN or something, <laughs> get a life. Uh, <laughs> I'll crunch some numbers, but I see some people go really, really nuts um, with crunching numbers. I don't know. Get out and enjoy nature and other things. I will amend something that I said just a moment ago. Uh oh. Okay. Running back Kenyon Drake is an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Get rid of him. Aaron Jones is probably going to be a free agent. So I'm good fan. Just saying. <laughs> All right, Taylor. Let's move on to the NBA. Our weekly Nets and Bucks talk. Do you want to go first or should I? Um, let me shoot. Where did that go? I've already I'll got my numbers first. up. I can go first. I'll start first. All right, you go ahead. Why? Here, here's why I'm going to start first. Oh, I'm a little peeved with this team right now, Blake. All right, as I have been, I think most of this year. Oh, you right? were last week too. It, I'm pissed. I, I, I don't. I, I'm mad. I think this team right now, um, I'm getting a little upset of the after losses, especially blowout losses to really good team teams of seeing these post-game press conferences with the reigning and defending MVP saying, well, we're not worried about it. We know if we just play together as a team, blah, blah, blah. I'm sick. You of know that that's just player speak. You, you know how that goes. I, I know. I I, I want to see some fire because right now this fan base, I don't want to say maybe we're panicking. Maybe we are, but I'm not seeing anything from these players, like a sense of urgency that we need to get this thing figured out. And again, you, you know, it just real quick, Taylor, and I'll let you go. Just, I do understand though, as a diehard fan yourself with the bucks and other fans of the Milwaukee bucks, that is, I do understand the irritation from, again, as, as an outsider, I say, you know, it's player speak. I, I would say the same thing if it were Kevin Durant, James Harden, yada, yada, yada in the same situation. So I do understand where you're coming from. It's 
irritating. I get it. Go on. It's dumb. It's stupid. It's asinine. All right, let's roll back. Let's roll back the last couple weeks. All right. We'll start from, oh, we'll go, let's see, right after Valentine's Day. They've lost two to the Raptors, who, by the way, are barely hanging on to an eight seed, okay? Raptors suck. Let's just say that. They're not how they were. So they're barely hanging on to an eight seed. All right, let's, okay. So who do we have after that, Blake? Okay, so we play the Thunder, the Kings, the Timberwolves, the Pelicans, and the Clippers. Sands, the Clippers, those teams suck. So, yes, we should beat them. A little surprised we actually beat the Clippers. It's been a while since we've beaten a really good team, right? Clippers are third in the West. Last time we had a good win against a good team was beginning of February against the Nuggets. Okay. A month without a quality win, that's rough. Speaking of the Nuggets, played them on Tuesday. Okay. Nuggets come to Milwaukee. I believe it is. Yep. Last game of an eight, two, four, six, eight game homestand, right? Mm -hmm. Won five in a row. All right. Feeling good. Nuggets come to town. Good team out of the West. See what we're worth. We lose by 31 points. Ooh. Three, one, 31. Where is our defense gone? I was going to say, it's it's like the players just didn't even show up to the arena. Oof. Nikola Jokic, the Joker, 37 points, 10 rebounds. Jamal Murray, 24 points. P.J. Dozier, 19. Where is our defense? We have no defense anymore. We can't stop anybody. Here's what the Bucks ended up with. Giannis, 27 and 8. Chris Middleton, 20. Brooke Lopez, 12. Those were the only guys that scored in double figures. That's it. I don't know where this defense has gone. I don't. This is frustrating. This is what makes every, irks everybody. And if I may, if hear, I may, or go, go ahead, finish your thought. Well, then we get to hear Giannis afterwards. Oh, we got, we're going to get it figured out. We play as a team. You guys aren't playing as a team. Okay. You beat a bunch of cupcake teams that the high school right down the road could probably give a run for their money. <laughs> Shots fired. Love it. And then you, you lose to the nuggets by 31. Just, 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 and I com- again, I completely understand where you're coming from for a silver lining. I do have a question. No silver lining. There's none. I, I, I just I, hear me out. Hear me out. And I might have an ulterior motive, honestly, for my question, but that, that's an aside. Drew Holiday, is he close to returning? He returned. What was his first game back? He played last night. Okay. Okay. I I was going to say, because it seems played like he's the Clippers been. Clippers on Sunday. Okay. Because it seemed like he's been out uh, with, you know, due to protocols for like Very a month. Time. For like a yes. month. Yes. I, I, you know. And again, seven days, maybe a week and a half, two weeks tops. I I get it. But, you know, and obviously, again, ulterior motive, Drew Holiday is on my fantasy team. Oh, of course. Half, half. But seriously, Taylor, as as your as your friend. Yes. I I mean, again, it's not just Drew Holiday on my fantasy team. I mean, half my fantasy teams hurt. NBA players are being pansies right now. I'll say yes. it. They're, they're being Bring pansies. The 
I mean, bring the you fire. Get, you, you, you stub a toe and oh, oh my God, I can't play for three weeks. Oh my God. I, and so, so that aside, so I'm losing fantasy because of that. And I, I know how players feel when somebody says fantasy. I, blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying, but Taylor, as a fan, as a fan, as a diehard fan, you could use Drew Holiday right now and then some. Hello. We got to work him back, ease him well, back in so he can get his right, legs in. Right, right. I think, I don't want to say one player will solve the problem. It's going to oh, right. heal the wound, but I don't know. I'm going to look one, la- one last thing because I'm irked by your team as well. <laughs> Probably for different reasons, I take neither it. Neither here nor there. So right yeah. now, both our teams are looking up at the 76ers, okay? You're a little bit closer to them than we are. <laughs> sure. Below that, the Celtics are behind us. The Knicks, the surprise of the season so far. Amen to that. But if we're we're in the thir- third spot right now, if we're not careful, I'm not saying we can slip to the five, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Got a little bit of a cushion. Three games up on the Celtics. Two games behind your Nets. Two and a half behind the Sixers. We can't drop out of the top three. Cannot. Would you, would it be fair to say that your Milwaukee Bucks are sleepwalking right now? Yep. I, they are going, I don't want to say they're going through the motions, but I feel like they're doing just enough to stay in the top three or four. Hoping, knock on word, would, barring any major injuries that they turn it on playoff time. But who knows? Right now, it ain't looking that way. Stupid. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, my nets again, they get up for every game. Oh, they're but, yeah. But from, but you know, it just, if you look at a box score, you watch maybe some highlights and stuff like that, they get up for every game, but because of how easy they compete every night and how they put on win streaks and some teams, they blow out Taylor it seems like the Nets are almost, as you said, doing just enough or sleepwalking their way through the regular season. Not that they don't care. Brooklyn Nets fans, again, lifelong Brooklyn Nets fan, New Jersey Nets, back way back when, been through the pains and the ills, just like all of you. But it seems that way, even though they're still winning. They care, obviously. They're, we just have the firepower, but also the role players that are coming alive right now. Obviously, you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Kevin Durant has a hamstring right now. But Joe Harris, again, using uh, seven-day splits. Let's see here. Joe Harris from the field. so 53% from the field. Uh, Let's see here. Bruce Brown, who a guy who I kind of, Taylor, if you remember when we signed Bruce Brown, I kind of, you know, kind of ho-hummed him and kind of said, eh, you know, what's he going to bring in the last seven days? Yes, seven days. But in the absence of star power, Bruce Brown has hit 64% from the field. 
75 percent from the free from the free throw line six rebounds 3.5 assists let's see here points where are we um i'm a little oh right here duh 20 or 20 16.5 points a game bruce brown for the seven day splits is third in the team in scoring i Again, and Jeff Green has come alive too. I mentioned him two weeks ago. He's still putting up 12 points, 71.4% from the field. Let's see, three point percentage. Jeff Green, he was shooting some threes. He hasn't taken any threes in the last seven days. So, okay. His uh, splits from rebounds and assists are a little down. Nicholas Claxton, a guy who couldn't get a minute in a game in the last, what feels like at least two years. I can't remember how many years he's been around so far. Taylor Nicholas Claxton, a young player with a lot of potential, only playing 15.4 minutes a game, 15.4 minutes a game. Mind you, Deandre Jordan is still getting almost 30 minutes a game. If you round up Nicholas Claxton is outscoring him. Let's see here. Nicholas Claxton, round down, 11 points a game, four rebounds, an assist, and a steal. So Nicholas Claxton Taylor is one of those big men that's kind of, kind of like your, your Jared Allen, kind of like that thinner body, not not your filled out DeAndre Jordan type, your Nikola Jokic, that kind of thing. He's he's a thinner guy. He needs to get a little bit more mass on his bones, you know, to be able to bang down low and grab some rebounds. But I mean, Nicholas Claxton, seventy percent from the field, uh, taking a couple of threes, uh, hasn't made any of them in the last seven days, but that's okay. Seventy percent from the charity stripe. I mean, this team just has players that are. You have your stars, your James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, but you have your guys that are role players that are okay doing that, but pull their weight in spades. Uh, uh, without Kevin Durant, let's see here, your top three other scores besides your your big three. Let's see here. Let me do my math quick in my head. 28... Your three role players behind your big three, Taylor, without Kevin Durant in the last seven games or seven days, excuse me, almost 40 points even from Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and Bruce Brown. This team just is a well-oiled machine, plain and simple. I can't argue with that. I want to, but I can't. I'll give credit where credit's due. Your team right now, they're playing very good, very well. The last thing I will say about this week and Brooklyn Nets talk, everybody, I, I'm not saying that he's the MVP favorite. The MVP favorite right now is either Joel Embiid or LeBron James. Right now I'm going to say LeBron James because Joel Embiid, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, Taylor, of the last three or so games 
But James Harden, I understand that he kind of disappeared when he was with Houston, and it's been a more Johnny-come-lately thing for James Harden. Let's take a peek at just since January 1st up to now for James Harden. Let's see here. 23 games, 25.5 points, rounding up 50% from the field, 50% from the field, 49.7 to be accurate, 42.2 from three, 85 from the charity stripe, 8.7 rebounds, and 11.4 assists. I mean, He's almost averaging a triple-double since he's been with the Nets. I Again, That's not he's, he's coming late, but James Harden isn't getting enough love in the MVP discussion. He's getting enough love in general, but nobody's talking about him enough for MVP. And I, Which... think, the Joel, I think the Joel Embiid thing is a little coming on a little strong for how little it is that everybody's saying Joel Embiid's arrived, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's all I'm saying. It's funny that nobody's giving James Harden any MVP love in Brooklyn, but in Houston, when his teams were average, um, that's all you heard about. Like, <laughs> right? He's playing so much better now in Brooklyn than he was in Houston but nobody wants to talk about him. And and, and the thing about it too is Taylor, the thing about James Harden now I think is because they see Kyrie, they see Kevin Durant and James Harden and James Harden's an afterthought. But if you're a fan like me, you watch James Harden every night and you see he's the facilitator. He's not a guy that's just jacking up shots to jack up shots. James Harden said in the last week in an interview, he said, having the offensive load on my shoulders weighed on me in Houston. It did. He said that in an interview this week, that's about maybe as honest a a quote I've ever heard from the guy. And he says, people thought I just wanted to come here to score. He goes, no, I want to win. I want, I want to be the facilitator. If, Kevin Durant and Kyrie want to score. I'll dish them the basketball all night long. I don't know. That's what I love about James Harden. And some people say, oh, he's selfish. Oh, he, you know, he's a shoot first guy. Uh, Not in the last two and a half months. He's not. Uh, I think he's changing that narrative just a little bit. I was going to say I was one of those people, but not anymore. It's far from it now. He looks like the team player that Houston has wanted for so long and that Brooklyn got. And I think he finally woke up and realized, I, uh, I need to, you know, be a little more of a team player to probably win a championship finally. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it, I hate, God, I hate, I hate your Nets. I still love Kevin Durant. Hate Kyrie Irving. I hate Steve Nash. <laughs> I've never liked Steve Nash. I know the Nets are be are born to be hated. I know. 
Not as hated as much as your stupid Yankees, but it's all right. We love your tears. Yummy, yummy. Gross. That is so gross. <laughs> all right, Remind Taylor. Me again, when, when's the last time the Yankees won a World Series? 2009? Yeah, I don't think so. Wrong. I could be wrong. I it's the last one Either I remember. That's the last one I remember. With all okay. Uh, well, I I throw your brewers talk, under when, the bus, but I'm being nice. When we talk baseball, well, 2009, yeah, you're right. Against the Phillies. Ooh. Ha-ha. That one. Of course, they won three in a row before that. Four out of five. Whatever. Yeah, how are care. the brewers doing? Hey, let's talk some football. Ha-ha. All right, everybody. Let's transition into the Speaking. NFL. With free agency, with free agency, give or take a week and a half away, we've got a little bit of a different free agency preview coming up for you next week. This week, everybody, we are going to talk about our weekly Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, Taylor and I's favorite teams, but we are going to attack this a little differently. We're going to attack this from a situation of who we want to see traded cut and the like to maybe gain some room under the salary cap. I'm sure everybody knows, even though the cap is a myth, but that's a whole story for another day. The Eagles have a little bit more work to do to get under the cap than say the Vikings do, even though the Vikings, I believe Taylor, are they over just over the cap or are they under it? I think we are just over now. Okay, just over. I was going to say, I thought I saw that earlier today. I couldn't remember. Fair enough. So that's what we're going to do, everybody. We're going to attack free agency next week, talk where we think everybody's going to go, where we think their best fits are, who we may want. But this week, it's all about who are we going to get rid of? Taylor, you went first, so I'm going to go first, as I might be a little bit longer-winded here. I'm going to try not to be. So I have this all calculated out in front of me. Let's see here. Make sure I'm all the way up. Okay. This is tough because of our bad wheeling and dealing in the last couple of years. We are in, as some would say, salary cap hell. I fight back against the idea that it's a death sentence. It's not. It is a one-year stick your foot in a pothole and twist your ankle. That's what it is. It's a one-year problem. Why, Taylor? Because in in 2022, the Eagles have $55 million in cap space. So it's a one-year oopsie. So it's not as bad as everybody thinks it is. This actually... Actually, it might go quick, rather, now that I think about it. Taylor, with Deshaun Jackson being released, covered that before. Marquise Godwin, the track star turned NFL player. You know, he's a speedster, could potentially take over for Deshaun Jackson. But Marquise Goodwin, let's undo it here, counts 4.2 mil against the cap, give or take a couple. You cut him post-June 1st designation, save some money, 
I mean, could he be beneficial? Could he take over the Deshaun Jackson role? He was injured all last year. Is that something that you really want to do? Eh, I don't really know. So I'm going to say he's gone, even though I'm willing to bring him back because he's still under contract and has a relatively low cap number. As reported by Eagles beat writers, Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey are already gone. Don't need to talk about that. So those cap numbers are free and clear. This next one is tough. Jason Kelsey. Ever since the Super Bowl three years ago, Jason Kelsey Taylor every offseason has pondered retirement. Jason Kelsey still. I think one of the above average and better centers in the NFL. Would you agree or disagree? He's okay. I think you're selling him short, but that's okay. I'll move I past am it. selling him short. Yes. I was going to say, I will move past it. He's not the better Kelsey brother, but I mean, at his position. Well, well, well uh, uh, duh, but, uh, but Jason Kelsey, here's the thing. He's going to be 34 or excuse me. He is 34 going on 35. He's discussed retirement three years. So Taylor, obviously he goes into camp. He practices every day. He's one of the hardest working guys in football. He just, he's a guy that puts his head down. He doesn't complain. He just does his job and does it well, but going to be 35 how long can you keep him around? You save a pretty good, decent chunk of cap money. If you, let's see, what did I do here? Um, post June 1st cut. That's what I did. So Taylor, you save $5.5 million on the cap. If you cut him post June 1st designation. Now I'm not saying cut Jason Kelsey, Philadelphia Eagles faithful. Just put out your torches. Hear me out. What I'm saying is, is you politely ask him to retire instead. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. I know how that sounds. sounds and, 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 and I'm okay if they don't. I'm okay if they bring him back for one more year and he goes out on his own terms. I'm just thinking, Taylor, of you know what's best for the team. That's all I'm saying. Okay. So just okay. So saves 5.5 million against cap uh, post June 1st designation. Former first round pick Derek Barnett. He's flashed a little bit Taylor, but I would say that he's hasn't exactly lived up to it. Would you agree or disagree? Derek Barnett. Agree. If you cut him outright, because post-June 1st designation is not an option, so you cut him outright, dead money, Taylor, is zero. You Ooh. save his entire cap number, which is $10 million. Derek Barnett is gone. I mean, with, with being 43 under the cap, at, or over the cap, excuse me, after Deshaun Jackson and Elshon Jeffrey need to save $10 million in one fell swoop, Derek Barnett's gone. Sorry. And Taylor, to call a spade a spade, 
with Josh Sweat, what he's done in limited reps, I think just under 50% of defensive snaps taken, okay? So just under 50%. Uh, Josh Sweat has better output last year than Derek Barnett does. Josh Sweat deserves to play the position, deserves to get a chance. In training camp, whatever, I say the spot is his if he wants it. So I say Derek Barnett needs to be cut. No dead money. It's it's a it's a no-brainer. Don't even restructure. Just decisions have to be made. Next up, Zach Ertz. Trading him. Uh, Zach Ertz is most likely gone. If you trade him, that saves uh, four-ish million post-June 1st cut designation, saves 8.2. Zach Ertz, I think, is gone. Brandon Brooks Taylor, a couple of Achilles injuries, hurt. Wrong side of 33, 32 years old. Not saying cut him, uh, saying that maybe ask him to restructure his contract. Maybe that's a, something that I would broach. Darius Slay has been rumored about trades. Um, I'm going to say keep Darius Slay around just because with his new contract kicking in, I'm not sure what we can get for him in a trade. If we trade him, though, that does save $6 million against the cap. But right now, I'm going to keep him. Right now, I'm, I'm going to keep him. But if we trade him, that saves $6 million. So right now, we're at $6 million over the cap. Brandon Graham is working on a restructure right now. So that's going to happen. So I've already designated a restructure. Undoing my last restructure brings us to under four million over the cap, just over four million. The last one I asked to restructure or decisions might need to be made, Taylor, is the other big man on the defense. It's Fletcher Cox. The thing is, is that hard decisions are going to need to be made on the defensive line because so much money's invested. Taylor, I know how fans get about players. We we love the players that play for our teams. But you, like me, are a team-first guy. Would you agree? The NFL is a business. You want what's best for the team. And was I upset that Carson Wentz got traded? Sure. I, I, I loved Carson Wentz since he got drafted. But... You get some compensation for him. You trade him to the Colts, yada, 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 potential first-round pick, blah, 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 blah. But it's I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not a – I'm a fan of individual players, but I'm an Eagles fan through and through first. So as of right now, all the moves that I mentioned were round up seven mil over the cap, not a lot of wiggle room, but it can be done. It's not a death sentence. Then if you do all the moves that I mentioned, restructures, cutting, blah, 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 blah. Seven million over the cap this year and 75.7 million cap space next year. It's a one year ouchie. We twisted our ankle, everybody. We'll get through it. 
Taylor, your Vikings. Go ahead. I believe that's our Vikings, Blake. Um, gross. You oh, they're gross. Um, what position does Lane Johnson play? Right tackle. All right, we'll take him. Um, no, we won't. But I'll get to our offensive line in a little bit. So let's start with news that happened. Was it yesterday or two days ago? Um, we did cut Kyle Rudolph. Um, that saves just over five million in cap space. He is 31, I believe, maybe 32. He was at the time the longest tenured Viking on the roster. That designation now goes to the heartthrob, Harry the Hitman. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of people like you knew, I think we all knew this was coming. Um, production the last couple of years has not been the greatest. Um, not a guy, Blake, I'll tell you right now, if you're looking for a tight end that uh, is going to get some rack yards, run after catch, Kyle Rudolph is not your man. No, However, no, he, are, uh, he, he runs like a block of stone. I think no we offense to him. Kyle. No offense. We could probably, I, I would like to challenge him to a 40 yard dash. Um, no, I don't. Yeah, not, do. not, not me. Nope. I'm out. I do. I'm on a diet. I've lost weight. I'm ready. I feel fast. Um, but no, if, if you're at the goal line and need a touchdown, why don't you look Kyle Rudolph's way had a nice touchdown to knock the saints out of the playoffs uh, a couple years ago. Um, he had a nice touchdown against Dallas on a Sunday night. Um, but yeah, I, we've talked, I mean, like I said, Rudolph was the longest tenured Viking up to that point. I believe he got drafted in 2011. I believe that sounds about right. Um, so yeah, he was a fan favorite, um, on the field and especially off the field. He did a lot for the university of Minnesota, uh, children's hospital donated. I believe they built a new building. Don't quote me on that. Feel bad that I getting it wrong, but, um, so yes, a fan favorite, but again, I say this every time we talk about stuff like this, this is a business. The NFL is a business. It can be cutthroat at times. It can be surprising. It can be crazy. Um, Kyle Rudolph but, is a great humanitarian. You don't get voted, uh, or excuse me, voted, nominated three times by your players and coaches for Walter Payton Man of the Year for nothing. Uh, by the way, he should have won it last, well, in 2019, he should have won it. But that's neither here nor there, or 2020 is. Anyways, he should have won it, not this past award show, but the one before that. He got screwed out of that. But um, anyways, moving on. So cutting Kyle Rudolph, this is now going to be the Irv Smith show at tight end. Um, I've been high on this guy since we drafted him. Hopefully, um, our offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, can just work some packages with him, um, stretch the field a little bit, because I, I believe he's a very talented young tight end. Um, that means we'll roll number two with Tyler Conklin, which, by the way, last year played pretty well. So we'll see how that goes, um, especially with old primetime Kirk Cousins under center. So I want to get to the offensive line because every time we talk Vikings, what do we talk about, Blake? Offensive line, right? Right. 
Why? How your general manager can't draft oh, offensive don't line even, to don't save his even life. Start. You are so wrong and right at the same time. Um, just real quick on Irv Smith. I just oh. I pulled up some of his stats. I just wanted to yes. say, going into his third year with you know, and, and Kyle Rudolph again has his usage has trended downward in recent years, even before Irv Smith was drafted. Let's be honest. Right. Herb Smith has not eclipsed 400 yards nope. in his career. It's his third year. He's, if he doesn't do it this year, he, I, I mean, is he the guy? I'm Taylor, like you said, he's talented. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, Justin Jefferson having a career year in his rookie year, still have Adam Thielen, Delvin Cook. There's, there's a, not enough ball to go around, but I think you got to get Herb Smith more touches he's got to get uh let's see here uh okay i actually don't have the number in front of me sorry but he's got to get more touches he's got to get more than 43 targets he got 43 targets last year which is down four targets from his rookie year he's he's got to get used oh and again and again and and again and i'm not I'm not knocking the guy. He's talented. No, and that's why I said I'm hoping Clint Kubiak can, since he is going to be the guy, that you got to get him involved. And I, I've been the one that's been saying get him more involved. All last year, year before, it, I believed it was time, especially this past season, to transition from Kyle Rudolph running in concrete shoes to this Irv Smith, flashy player, young player, very talented. Um, but yeah, I mean, I forgot where I was going to go. Uh, anyways, so anyways, let's go offensive line. Blake, how about that? Huh? We want to talk about offensive line or offensive line sucks. All right. I say <laughs> that every year. Um, two things I want to talk about. One, I'm going to start with Neil. Probably going to get an extension this summer save some cap money. I'm okay with that. That's fine. However, we need to address the left tackle position. Why? That protects Kirk Cousins' blind side. God knows he needs all the protection he can get. He wears all this padding underneath his jersey, but I mean, when you get hit and sacked 20, 30 times a game, it seems like we need better protection. So that brings me to Riley Reef. Um, we have asked him to take a pay cut before. Does it happen again? I don't know. Um, his cap hit this year is going to be just a hair under 14 million. Um, I don't know if you can say, Hey, let's take another four or 5 million pay cut. You know, I I just don't think that's going to happen. Are we going to extend them and save a little bit money? But I don't know what, what deal would be the right deal. Um, in my eyes, I say it's time to. cut Riley reef. I was thinking, I was trying to think of a better expression, but I had nothing. Um, mainly because if you look at in the draft this year, the offensive tackle class, pretty strong. Uh, Vikings are going to be drafting at 14, I believe. Yeah. 14 should be able to get a solid left tackle there. So I'm hoping we go that route said Kyle Rudolph. Um, another one, if you want to talk about somewhat fan favorites and guys that have been with the team for a while, 
let's talk Anthony Barr, uh, linebacker. Um, got hurt last year. Just really, he was supposed to be the guy linebacker. First couple of years, few years in the league, he was. Um, and then if you remember 2018 or 2019, that debacle of, you know, he was going to be a free agent. He was going to sign for the Jets. Damn near close for probably to flying there to put ink to paper. Somehow the Vikings talked him into, nope, stay in Minnesota. We'll get you a good deal. Um, he received just under $16 million guaranteed. Um, but since then, Blake, he just really hasn't performed, got hurt last year. Like I said, um, Eric Hendricks is far and away outperformed him. Um, but what we got last year with him being hurt is to see what his replacement can do. And Eric Wilson, honestly, is he as good as Anthony Barr right now? Absolutely not. Is he pretty damn good player? I think he showed that last year. Um, I've been high on Eric Wilson the last couple of years. Now that he got to prove himself and got, you know, his feet wet more. Um, I think he showed the Vikings that, hey, I'm the real deal. I can play. Um, I honestly, I think, I think it's time to cut Anthony Barr. I know, I know it, it, it kind of hurts saying that. And this is another player that people love to watch, loved it and everything. But I just, I think it's time to cut, cut Anthony Barr, Barr be over, done with it. Um, okay. That, 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 I, I don't like saying that, but at the same time, like I said, this is a business and I think that's what needs to be done. Um, you know, there are a few other guys um, that we could cut that I haven't really looked at the cap space, but you know, with Kyle Rudolph getting rid of Riley reef, we got to do something about Garrett Bradbury. He's not a very good center. Um, <laughs> but looking at our interior offensive line, like something there needs to be done. Um, where was it? Oh, computer freezing up. What is going on? Come on, come on. There we go. Um, <laughs> you know, Riley, Riley Reef said enough about him. Garrett Bradbury just cannot block these defensive tackles. Um, our offensive line was ranked 26th. Is um, Garrett Bradbury still on his rookie deal? Yes. Yep, he is. Ooh, and he Taylor is. is done. Oof. I'm done. I am. I was high on him too. I'm like, hell yeah. But he just he can't if he can't protect the quarterback, guard, you know, defending these defensive tackles, they just blow you. They like put you on skates. You literally just skate, just push him back into Kirk Cousins. Hey, if you, if you can't do uh, it, you can't do it. And our interior offensive line is just horrid. Um, Ezra Cleveland, I think we're going to give him, you know, another shot. I mean, are there any guys better than Ezra? If you get that music reference, then you're cool with me. I believe that is from the 90s. But uh, Dakota Dozier, uh, do you know that name, Blake? Have you heard that name? Sounds familiar, but it's not coming to me. No, it, it would sound familiar because he was by far and away probably graded the worst offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, <laughs> can, can we just get rid of him too? Like, I feel like we need to cut some of these guys on the offensive line and start over new. 
Um, but, but it's tough because when we do these zone blocking run scheme and these offensive linemen that fit that scheme, what sacrifices pass protection. So I think what needs to happen is Zimmer, Slick Rick, Clint Kubiak, they got to sit down and decide, okay, we got Delvin Cook, man. He can run the ball. This run scheme, this zone blocking scheme works really well. But guess what? We got Justin Jefferson, arguably probably should have been rookie of the year, but that's another discussion. Adam Thielen, not the greatest of years last year, but he was pretty damn good. Irv Smith, another guy that we're going to look to stretch the field. We got to protect Kirk Cousins. He's not mobile. He, he can't run out of the pocket as well as, you know, some of these other guys. So I think they got to do, they got to somehow make this offensive line work. They just it, cutting people, trading. I don't know how they're going to make it work, but they need to make it work. And by the way, we are. <sighs> two, what, two million, three million over the cap right now. As of now, that will change. But it's a myth, so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, the myth thing, I love it. All right, Taylor, is that all you got? That's all I got for now, Blake. All right, transition from one football to another. Our Minnesota United, everybody. Just real quick, a couple of tidbits. Before we get into our final segment this week, a few transactions. Finally, the transactions for Minnesota United have seemed to come few and far in between with people just waiting and waiting and waiting with Minnesota United. Blake. Waiting uh, and waiting. Yes. If you yes. Follow him on Twitter. He has been very impatient. And Minnesota United Twitter trolling fans with posting days of the week every single day. And it just, uh, you guys, I, I get the bit, but a little tired of it. I'll be honest. Anyways, anyways, didn't get a chance to talk about Will Trap. Taylor will trap if he starts other, he Hassani Dotson, if he's going to, if they're going to kind of interchange both of them, or if young gray goose is maybe going to get a little bit of a break, start Hassani in will trap Hassani being more of the eight will trap playing the classic number six. That's what he's trained to do. That's what he does best. Will trap coming from uh, inner Miami Will Trapp is a better player than he's given credit for. He can be a destroyer when he wants to be. He's a better number six than Hassani Dotson is. I'm starting to realize that Hassani Dotson might not be a classic number six. And the funny thing is, on the defensive sign, everybody knows that Hassani Dotson, I love the man. I'm his number one fan. He's actually a better wing back than he is a classic number six defensive midfielder, a better number eight. So it's a good thing that we have Will Trap there to start every week if we play Jan Gregoosh. So Jan Gregoosh doesn't have to play the six. He can if he needs to. But Hassani Dotson, maybe the experiment at the six is over. I mean, for the for the better. But we have Will Trap. 
I mean, I love seeing him in our gray and well, blues now, now that the blue, the sky blue or what, what blue would you call the away kits, Taylor? What, what kind of, what shade of blue uh, is that? I don't know what kind of, what, what do they call it? What they call it? What the river? No. What is it called? The river? I was going to say, cause sky blue is too, too bright. Yeah. So, so that's not it. Um, it's, <laughs> do I call it Minnesota United blue? I don't, I don't know. I, and again, I know what they're doing with the blue. I still like my white drift kit, the, the, the white nah. away drift kits. Those are slick, dude. I don't think nah. they get enough love. Add it. The official, well, official on the MLS store, it says light blue. Um, light blue. Well, there's yeah, a cop out if I ever heard I was one. just going to say that. <laughs> light I'm, blue. Is it in quotations? <laughs> no, um, it should be. But yeah, they uh, call right? it the, the Minnesota United calls it, quote unquote, the river kit. So, I mean, it's their first, what, all blue kit, right? I think so. I believe, yeah. I I like this better than any other kit that they have. I'll just throw that out there. Wait, you like the blue better than the gray wing? Yep. Yep. Oh, dude. No. Give me the blue. I like flag. Uh, you you, you might You might be forced to choose another MLS team to root for no. if you don't like the wing. No, um, you got to remember my team forward. Madison has some of the best kits out there. Yeah. I think some of these MLS teams should take note of what the Flamingos are doing in Madison. Oh, All right. Okay. Flashy is the way to go. Dear Lord. Okay. And then let's move on to the offensive side Two transactions this week, two in the same week, which is something that hasn't come very often for Minnesota United in this offseason cycle. Taylor, first up, signed Juan Agudelo. Hey, Minnesota United signed a forward. I get what Twitter is saying, what fans are saying. Juan Agudelo, that doesn't move the needle. He can't start. Juan Agudelo, Taylor, as I mentioned to you, it's a depth signing. Yep. You got to remember, all we had was Foster Langsdorf. That's the only forward on the roster. It's the only guy we had. Juan Agudelo is a very interesting pickup. If he can put up maybe five and five, maybe five and five is asking a bit much, depending on who we sign it forward. So he'd be a backup. So that might be a bit much depends on, you know, injuries, how playing time shakes out, things like that. It depends on how the team shakes out. But Juan Agudelo Taylor, also, as I mentioned to you, for, for his shots on goal, not total shots, I'm saying shots on goal, shots in between the sticks that hit the keeper. That's what a shot on goal is. Juan Agudelo scores on 37.9% of his shots on goal. Juan Agudelo knows how to score. He can maybe dish a couple more assists here and there. So maybe even five assists next season might even be asking a bit more than a bit much, but we'll see. The thing is, though, is that Juan Agudelo is a good depth piece, a good guy to eat up some minutes. Taylor, he's been a pro for 10 years, and he's only 28 years old. He used to be the next big thing in a sense. 
I know what what uh, Minnesota. I know what United States national team fans are saying. The next big thing, rolling their eyes. But he was looked at as maybe as a blue chip up and comer at one point. It just you know it didn't quite work out. But I still think Juan Agudelo has something left in the tank. He's not exactly your big body Taylor. He's not a big a very big body. He's not your typical number nine hold up player. So that's not his game. That's not what he's going to do. One thing that Juan Agudelo does do as a forward that you don't see very much is he contributes a lot on the defensive end. He puts in the work on defense, whether he gets a tackle, an interception, whether he gets it or not is up for debate, but he at least puts in the effort to defend like some forwards, you know, may kind of dog it eight out of 10 times. The other one that I'm even more excited for, Taylor, this story has been a roller coaster. Minnesota-born Patrick Weah. I don't want to rehash the Academy snafu, the way that we bungled that worse than, than I've ever seen from a pro sports team. And our academy players go here. They go there. This guy goes here. This guy goes south, west, east. Every which way but the academy because we dissolved our academy because of COVID. I just Let's not rehash that. We lost Patrick Weah Taylor to college. Patrick Weah went to St. Louis. Somehow, we brought him back. We signed him as our second ever homegrown player. I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we secured him versus another team scooping him up. I think he was free and clear to sign anywhere. And he went to college, even in college. So if we signed him, that means that somebody else could have. Taylor, I say our second homegrown signing, our first homegrown signing, if you remember, is the young Fred Emmings. I think Emmings is either 16 or 17 at this point. He was signed when he's 15. It's going to take him some time, obviously. He is obviously, you know, third on the depth chart or fourth on the depth chart as far as goalkeepers. Patrick Weah, though, is an intriguing get because we don't really have a star left winger right now, now that Kevin Molino's playing for Columbus. Not saying that Patrick Weya starts. He is, he can play up top at forward Taylor. I don't think that that's the best position for him. I'm not really sure. I watched some of his, uh, some of his high school tape. Patrick Weya Taylor, since you uh, don't know, do you know who Timothy Weya is? I don't believe so. Timothy Weah is, he plays for Lille in French, in the French League One, so top division in France. Timothy Weah is the next big thing on the left wing for the United States national team. Next big thing. Plays for Lille in France, and Lille is actually top of the French division right now. George Weah, former player of the year in the early nineties. I want to say 94 player of the year, George Weah, former again, Taylor, as big of a star as you can get in. I think he's Liberian. I think 
to the point where he became president of his home country. President. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> right? That's not so, bad. I can't remember his relation to him, but Patrick Weah is related to both Timothy and and uh George. Uh grandfather maybe uh uh I, I think Timothy and Patrick are cousins, I wanna say. Uh, but they're all interrelated. So point is Patrick Weah comes from very good genes, my man. Right. Very good genes. And if you watch his game tape, he is so good. He can finish. He can pass the ball. But one of his best skills, Taylor, is watching him take guys 1v1. Yes, watching his high school tape. That's a lot different than I get it. Point is, you, you watch some of his high school tape, he'd get surrounded by four guys and he'd dribble around all of them and through two of their legs and just... Patrick Way, he's got some growing up to do. He's not a finished product, yes. He's got the promise, though. And I love that we got him back. So I got a question real quick. Shoot. So with all these signings that we've done so far. Yes, sir. That get us over the hump and get us into the MLS cup. <laughs> right now? No. 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 I say yes. It's, oh, Jesus. It's, it's the right direction. We need, we need, uh, I'm going to, Actually, I, I'm going to mispronounce this guy's name. I apologize. We need to secure Andren Hernan. That, that's the best way I can pronounce it without hearing it a couple of times in my headphones. Andren Hernan, I, and I apologize. I probably got that wrong. Don't hate me. We're circling him out of stayed reams in French League One. We're circling him. We can't. We haven't been able to secure him yet. Hopefully it won't be like a six month process. Like Reynoso was, even though Reynoso is a godsend to this team, hopefully it'll, we'll be able to scoop something up longer. But again, Juan Agadello, he's a good depth piece. He's not the guy we need to play 30 games is what I'm saying. We need more and Wea, he's going to get game time. I don't think he should be the left winger like Agadello. 30 games, day in, day out, week in, week out. We need more reinforcements. So we're going to win the MLS Cup. Oh, all good right. God. Okay, all right. Our final segment, everybody, your preview of UFC 259 this Saturday, two days away. We're running a little long here, so I'm going to go as quick as I humanly can. First up, Tiago Santos versus Alexander Rakic. Tiago Santos is 21 and 8, 15 wins via KO, one win via submission, five wins via decision. He is three and two in his last five, but is on a two fight losing streak. Santos is a green rope in Copriera. He's a black parade in Muay Thai and a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. He has a TKO win over current light heavyweight champion, Jan Blakowicz. 
and is tied for the most fights in the calendar year with five. Tiago Santos actually runs a nonprofit organization that offers free mixed martial arts training for children coming from poor families. Fun fact. Alexander Rackett, or Rackett, excuse me, is 13-2 and two with nine wins via KO, one win via submission, three wins via decision. He is 11-1 in his last five. He is also on a 12-fight win streak, or was on a 12-fight win streak, before he lost to Volkan Ozdemir. Uh, Rakic is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Roberto uh, Pastuk. And both Rakic and Santos actually both have a common win over fellow division opponent Anthony Smith. Taylor, I'm going to take Alexander Rackett. Uh, you're wrong, because uh, it's going to be Tiago Santos. Book it. <laughs> All right. I'll bet money on it. No, I won't, but <laughs> fake money, <laughs> monopoly. <laughs> Up next, Islam Mukayachev. One one thing I got to say about this tale, I got to say this. I can pronounce a name 20 times and get it right 20 times off the air. I go on the air. I, I'm going to talk to a guy and say his name wrong. I hate that. I uh, We're all not perfect, everybody. He's 18 and one with three wins via KO, seven wins via submission, eight wins via decision. He is 5-0 and in his last five and is currently on a six-fight win streak. He is an international master of sport in combat sambo, just like Habib Nurnagamadov is, and won gold at the World Championships of Sambo in 2016. He is facing off against Drew Dober. Drew Dober is 23-9-1 with 10 wins via KO, Six wins via submission, seven wins via decision. He is 11 and one in his last five, is currently on a three fight win streak. And in those three fights, he has finished all his opponents via knockout. He owns notable wins over Josh Berkman and Jamie Varner. I'm going to go with Islam Mukachev because I like his confidence in that he says he's going to take up the mantle left by a now retired Khabib Nurnagamadov. I like his confidence. Can't fault a man with confidence. Look at Conor McGregor. Um, I'll also go with Islam. I'm not going to pronounce that. <laughs> That's all right. Your first of three title bouts. First up, Peter Yan versus Ajemaine Sterling. Your champion, Peter Yan, is 15-1 and one, with seven wins via KO, one win via submission, three wins via decision. In his one loss, he lost via decision, which means Peter Yan has never been stopped. Peter Yan is a master of sport in boxing, mixed martial arts, and a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
He is 5-0 in his last five, is on a 10-fight win streak dating back to July of 2016. On his win streak, he's never had more than two KOs or decisions in a row. So Taylor never had more than two KOs or decisions in a row. He can't have more than two submissions because he only has one submission win. If you follow me by the metrics, if this stays in the path that it, that it's been going, the metrics say the win on Saturday, if he beats Aljamain Sterling, it'll be by decision. Just take that and chew on it for a little bit. That right there. That's some deep analytics right there. Amen, brother. It's what I bring. It's how I do. Your challenger, Ajemaine Sterling, is 19-3 and with two wins via KO, eight wins via submission, nine wins via decision. He is 5-0 and in his last five and is currently on a five-fight win streak. If Sterling wins on Saturday, he will be undefeated for three years straight, dating back to April of 2018. Jermaine Sterling is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under ugh, Matt Sarah. Yeah. I like Jermaine Sterling Taylor. I I'm becoming a big fan. I like what he's about. I like how he fights. I mean, and some MMA fans might hate me for this by saying it, but I'm going to go with the upset. Ajamain Sterling they're get, they might hate me for saying upset when it might not be. I, I get the sentiment. Ah, you're wrong. You're wrong. Peter Jan's going to win. I'm wrong again. Okay. Yes. (laughs) Title fight. Two of three. Amanda Nunes champion versus Megan Anderson champion. Amanda Nunes is 20 and four with 13 wins via KO three wins via submission four wins via decision. She is currently on an 11 fight win streak. She will stretch her win streak to six years. If she wins on Saturday, Amanda Nunes, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Daniel Valverde and a brown belt in judo. Taylor, Amanda Nunes is only 32. But if she beats Anderson on Saturday, I think she should retire and walk away. There's nothing left for her. She's beaten everyone. Everyone there is to fight. I looked it up. I have three names in front of me of potential fights for her. You know what the problem is? In the rankings for her division that, that, that I have compiled. So somebody might disagree with me. That's okay. In what I've compiled, the three names that I found, none of them are signed to the UFC. That's a problem. If she beats Megan Anderson, and I'm going to 
give my reason for this, Taylor. Megan Anderson doesn't deserve this fight. And I'll tell you why. Megan Anderson is 11 and four, six wins via KO, three wins via submission, two wins via decision. She's three and two in her last five. She's on a two fight win streak. Yes, two fight win streak. Taylor, I'm sick and tired. And, and this is part two of my point. Let me explain. Two fight win streak. In my early years of watching UFC, I've been watching UFC since I was 14. So I'm 30, going to be 31 in a week. Half my life, over half my life. People used to have to win six, seven. I remember one of my favorite fighters back in the day having to get 10 wins to earn a title shot because he was, quote, boring in the octagon, but he won. He had to win 10 to get a title shot. And he went all five rounds with George St. Pierre. What fight am I talking about? What fighter? Fight fans of as long as I've been watching should know. John Fitch. Was he boring? Yes. Did he win? Yes. It took him 10 wins to get that title fight. So you're telling me Megan Anderson is getting a title fight on a two-fight win streak? Taylor, that's a problem. Why? That proves more to my point why Amanda Noon should walk away. Walk away, Taylor, her her uh, her partner, her lesbian partner, I can't remember her name right now, she just had a kid. Not Noon's, her, her partner. Retire with your money, train, you know, do some acting, whatever you want to do. You don't have a reason to keep going to, to beat people's face in, to get your face punched in for the female fighters that actually get a shot at her in Amanda Nunes has done it all Taylor she's a double champion I get that she may want to maybe vacate this title and fight for the other title that she has that I would understand I'd understand that more but she's cleaned out her division Megan Anderson is went because she because she has two wins that means that there's nobody else. And the bigger pro the biggest problem, Taylor, is this. Megan Anderson was actually beaten. So, so before her two-fight win streak, do you follow me? Yes, I follow you. Okay. Her loss before the two-fight win streak, she was beaten by Felicia Spencer via submission. Why is that a problem? Oh, you're asking me. Yep. Why is that a problem? Why, why is that a problem? Felicia Spencer is who Amanda Nunez beat in her last fight. Just, just last fight ago. She beat Felicia Spencer. Felicia Spencer beat Megan Anderson. So you're telling me that after losing to the person who just lost to Amanda Nunes, two fights gets Megan Anderson a title shot? Sorry. Nope. Don't buy it. Uh-uh. Nope. Mm -mm. Nope. 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 That just means that they are scraping for Amanda Nunes for someone to fight her. I get Amanda Nunes. She loves to fight. She's so much fun to watch. I get it. Amanda Nunes is an all-timer. I am not taking anything away from Amanda Nunes, Taylor. What I'm saying is 
<clears throat> excuse me, I am shocked that Amanda Nunes is able to get up for a fight to say this, you, you know what I mean? To say this bout excites me, you know, and, and all the credit in the world to Amanda Nunes for saying that I just love fighting. I just, if it were me, what's left? I, I don't know. Uh, Amanda Nunes wins though. Yes. Um, I enjoy her Modelo commercials. <laughs> I get about, you. I get uh, you. What about Ronda Rousey? Oh, Ronda Rousey has no interest in participating in MMA anymore. No, None. she's all WWE now. I well, she, she doesn't. Has have, she she doesn't have any interest in wrestling either. She oh. said, "All I want to do is have a baby and raise my kid." Oh, well, if the price is right. Put I mean, and, I mean, and, I mean, and hey, if she doesn't want to do anything and just be a mom, I mean, hey, good for her. If she's in a position where she can do that, hey, who am I to say and look the gift ho gift horse in the mouth? More power to her. And your main event of UFC 259 on Saturday coming to you on March 6th, 2021 light heavyweight championship. You have middleweight champion Israel Adesanya moving up in weight to challenge current light heavyweight champion Jan Blakovich. Jan Blakovich, your champion of the light heavyweight division, is 27 and 8 with 8 wins via KO, 9 wins via submission, 10 wins via decision. He is 11, or excuse me, 11, excuse me. He is 4 and 1 in his last five. Being 11 and 1 in your last five would make no sense. He is also on a four fight win streak. Jan Blakovich is a black belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu under Joe Morer. Jan lost to fellow fighter on the main card. The opener in Tiago Santos, Taylor, that was his loss before his current five or four fight win streak. Excuse me. Jan Blakovich, I love the man, fellow Polish national. So I'm all about him. Just like I'm all about Joanna uh, Jonjacek. Uh, I almost called her Col Col Carolina Konkiewicz. That that's she's another Polish national. I got females mixed up. Sorry about that. Uh female fighters, please don't come to my house and hurt me. And your challenger, current middleweight champion, my man Israel Adesanya is 20 and 0, has never tasted defeat. As I said, let me repeat that. 20 and 0, 15 fights via KO. Five fights, one via decision. Israel Adesanya is a is on a ten year win streak. If he wins on Saturday, I first saw Israel Adesanya versus Marvin Vittori. Taylor, what did I say the next week on this show? I said one day Israel Adesanya would be middleweight champion, and boy was I right because I saw something special in the kid and boy is he special his personality his brashness might not be for everybody
but hey, he is fun to watch. Israel Adesani is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Andre Golvaro. I may have never had a tougher time, Taylor, picking a fight. I, you're going to go first. I still don't know. All right, then I'm going to go with the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. He remains undefeated. So am I. Book it. He's going to be a double champion, just like Amanda Nunes, and people are going to hate him for it. And it's going to be great. It's going to suck seeing Jan Blakovich win. And if Jan Blakovich wins, I mean, I would not be shocked. But I'm taking Israel Adesanya. This kid is special, let me tell you. And that does it for your UFC 259 preview, everybody. This Saturday, March 6th, 2021. Today is March 4th, 2021. And we've reached the end of another edition of Global Dynasty Sports Talk Radio. This has been episode 137. Taylor, another show is done and dusted. Any parting words, my friend? Uh, to go with the theme of March Madness starting soon selection Sunday coming up. I have two words, Blake Duke sucks. Perfect for Taylor Johnson. I'm Blake Plonsky and we will see you next week for episode 138 and we are out. Peace. Facebook, Amy. Always had a computer. All she needed was right there on a screen. Yeah. Fake friends for life.